Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. And hate the new Instagram update. Yeah, what is that? I can't find anything anymore. <laughs> I feel like the old lady from the, uh, what was the commercial? Was it a Geico commercial? Or she's like, I, no, it was the insurance commercial. Oh, yes. I take these pictures and I post them to my wall. <laughs> I unfriend you. <laughs> That's not how any of this works. I don't know how my Instagram works anymore. Yeah. Can you not change when we're like just getting used to it? I'm I'm at that <laughs> point where my, my brain is no longer a malleable 20 year olds that ebbs and flows with the changes in technology. I'm getting to that point where now when things change. Yeah. It's, it's just not good. And I just noticed our title said boo club. And now it says Sook club. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> should be a B. Sorry. For anyone that didn't know, this is our boo club episode. <laughs> Not what I had before. We've had a trying four weeks oh, man. on many levels, but I have a joke for you. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for all the jokes. All right. Where do baby ghosts go during the day? I don't know where. Daycare. No. Back up. Day scare centers. <laughs> it's less funny because I screwed it up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like it it's been a month i know <laughs> gosh um well i have a joke yeah you go for it okay how does a vampire enter his house i don't know how does he <laughs> through the bat flap <laughs> sounds provocative <laughs> just a little that's why i put it there that's cute i don't really know what the bat flap is it's you know i had a clever answer and now it's gone <laughs> Well, shall we get into our booze news? Yes. Booze news. Booze news. Well, the Collins family had been set to return to television in Dark Shadows Resurrections. Mm-hmm. Yep. A brand new uh, sequel series from the CW and Warner Brothers Television. But we have learned that the plug has already been pulled no wasn't tim burton supposed to direct this or he was in talks to direct it yes oh that's bullshit yep so this comes from a tv line and they report that dark shadows resurrections never made it to the pilot stage and at this point is no longer in development at the cw fuck you cw netflix picks that shit up like hey, now that's what i'm saying there's still a chance I'm somebody like, i'm real mad about this you know what that's why i put it in there i'm like oh sarah's gonna get on her I'm soapbox i'm real on this mad one. about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's that canceling my cw subscription <laughs> which i can't do because i have satellite it's just also it. more sad cancellation news you're not allowed to give booze news anymore <laughs> you're just a downer <laughs> you know what that's been my week so that's why it's, it's here okay <laughs> i'll put some happier things in next time when it's a happier week give me some sunshine lollipops and rainbows <laughs> bullshit please. usually that's what i am but now savage brie is here so go put on your pink shirt <laughs> tell me something good <laughs> come in here with glitter um and glitter it's a eyeshadow. oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> if you're talking about you you want like the nice brie or savage brie 
I don't know. I really, I, I love them both, but you know, I'm, I'm actually really loving Savage Bree these days. Okay. And then Tecate it is. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> well, okay. So going back to my cancellation news, Castle Rock. Oh no. Is now also canceled. I'm sorry. I liked the second season. I I liked all of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, all of it. But I really liked the second season. That's... Because it was about one of my favorite characters. <sighs> but, okay, somebody else pick it up, though, please. Because, you know, supposedly they're trying to get it to get to HBO Max. So we'll see. I mean, There's no plans yet. How many se- How many episodes does Lovecraft Country have left? Oh, it's done. Oh, it's all done. I'm mm-hmm. just behind. Yes. Okay, I'm on like seven. Okay, so you're almost there. Oh, now I'm real sad. Again, oh, I'm I sorry. say, you're not allowed to tell me <laughs> bad news. <laughs> but it's good, though. I think I'm on seven. It, I might it, all, it almost makes me want to read the book. I mean, you know, since we have another book to pick pretty but soon here. A new episode of, well, we picked it already. Did we? Yeah. It's the greatest ghost story of all time. Oh, that's right. Look yes. at it, because it's so long. Yes. I and forgot. it's and it's for December. That's right. Yeah. I'm see, I'm I'm I have to get in the Christmas mood. I'm not there yet, but I, I will be, I promise. Nothing puts you in the mood for Christmas like ghosts. Yeah. Well, yep. depending on what kind of ghosts. All right. <laughs> well, next up, uh <sighs> I have mixed feelings about this. I'm okay with it. Uh you know what? Our wonderful friend uh alex windsor our lovely beautiful super ridiculously talented friend alex windsor uh texted me a response when i posted the poster on my instagram stories she said less ryan murphy more mike flanagan and she could not be more right yep so agreed ryan murphy teased on his instagram account a couple of different posters for the upcoming 10th season of american horror story and this will be an anthology series no unpopular opinion because everybody <laughs> loves this so much more than me he couldn't even he struggles to get one season right doing hour-long episodes that are like their own cohesive story i, I don't know man he can't mm. even get one story right let alone individual ones so we'll see how this goes it's hopefully still going to star kathy bates leslie grossman Sarah Paulson and all of our favorites from the American Horror Story series, but no one has been confirmed yet that we know of, mm. except for the executive producing cast, uh, which is Alexis Martin Woodall, Patrick McKee, Robert, Robert M. Williams Jr., and Ned Martell. Okay. And I did notice in the in Instagram comments, because he just posted the poster, but in, in the comments he had said, you know, this will be 16 one-hour standalone episodes. 16 yep that's a lot from him mm-hmm. interesting yep which is- i'm excited uh, i mean just it, i know it's like it's hard because we always get you know the beginning starts you know with a bang mm-hmm. and then we get to that really boring middle and then sometimes the endings are okay yeah but i mean these last couple of seasons now minus apocalypse because i kind of i don't know i kind of liked the ending on that i liked it yeah i loved it i liked the whole season but yeah. just but i'm a little biased because 
I loved season one and season three, and the, yes. and they were compiled into yes. that season. Which is yeah. So she should have stuck with that. Like yeah, <laughs> here's what your fans love. Please go with what works. Well, I heard there was a rumor that somehow season two is going to get tied into this asylum. So- Yep, but like more on the alien side, though. See, Asylum lost me when they started bringing in the aliens. Yep, me too. I was all ab- I said aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't correct you. I just went along with it. Uh, uh, I was all about it until the aliens yeah. came in. When it was all just, you know, an, an ode to Penhurst Asylum. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Yep, me too. Um, down to Sarah Paulson being the investigative journalist that goes in and showcases all the inmates running around everywhere. Um, <laughs> I, I loved it. And then, you know, whatevs. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And in other news, Paramount has tapped Midnight Special and Mud Helmer Jeff Nichols to write and direct a third film in the Quiet Place series. Ooh. Not super excited about this because the first two were written and conceived and directed by, and the first ones had starring John Krasinski, which I loved the first one. I'm so sad that the second one got pushed because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like the series is going to continue with a different writer and director in 2022. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like that's not going to be good? Not excited about it. I mean, but I haven't seen the second one yet, obviously, because it's not out. But but my, my favorite Hollywood couple, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, can do no wrong. Yeah. Because the first one was great. The first one was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. And so creative. Um, and that will actually, the second one will premiere here April 23rd of next year. Ooh. Close. Which is now only five months away. Yay, close to my birthday. Yeah, man. Maybe I'll get to go to a theater for my birthday. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Remember when we were just talking about 170,000 people were diagnosed with COVID cases today. I was trying to forget that. (laughs) We should just start this episode over because it's just a big letdown. Yes. Um, And lastly, Gravitas Adventures. Okay, so before I go into this, did you know there's another Skarsgård child? What? (laughs) There's another one. His name is Valta. That's a really cool name, though. Like Walter, but with a V. But like, does he also look good? Um, he's not. I wouldn't kick him out of bed. Okay. He's he's no uh, Alexander, mm. but who is? Mm. <laughs> you know. So anyway, uh, Gravitas Ventures has acquired worldwide rights to Jihae Kim's horror film, Don't Click. Oh. Starring Walter Skarsgård, Mark Kufos, and Catherine Howard. Okay. Not Catherine Howard, who married Henry VIII. Obviously, she's dead. Right. Long dead. Um, just in case there was any, any doubt. Um, so Skarsgård portrays 21 year old Josh, who tries to convince his roommate and best friend Zane to join him at a party. Zane declines the invitation, claiming he has to study, but instead surfs the web for porn. As one does. Uh, A sexually graphic pop-up catches Zane's attention, and when Josh comes back to an empty apartment, Zane's laptop is still open, but there's no sign of him. So he got stuck into a sexually graphic porn? I don't know. We're going to have to watch it and find out. I I have a feeling I don't want to. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) I've seen worse movies. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we thought we would do something a little different this week since it is 
the wonderful Friday the 13th that we're recording this episode. Um, and then this will obviously come out Wednesday of next week. But we thought we would do something a little different as everybody's starting to get into the holidays. Yeah. Um, I personally am not a huge fan of the holidays, but nope. I, I try to um, overcompensate by decorating my house with fun things. So <laughs> we thought that it would be fun to highlight a couple of different artists that are selling spooky and macabre Christmas decorations and, and little goodies. And it's also really important to support small independent artisans as much as you can, especially during the holidays, not Jeff Bezos. He got, he got enough money. <laughs> he needs to give me some. Yeah, he, he got enough money. Also to this podcast. <laughs> yes. As much as we've ordered from him. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> well, first up, we want to talk about one of our favorite shops, the Horror Corner. Yeah, they... Oh, man, those hand-painted hand ornaments are so dang cute. Mm. They're the best. So I bought the ones last year, and I think I gave you a couple because I had some duplicates. I was going to say, somebody gifted me some really awesome ornaments going on my very pink tree. Well, you know, you got (laughs) to add a little little spooky to the pink tree. Of course. Um, So they've got all sorts of fun hand-painted ornaments, although one caveat to that, they are not shatterproof. They're not. So just know that when you go to order them, they are hand-painted. They're gorgeous. They are not pet-proof. So (laughs) do not put them on the bottom uh branches of your tree if you have kitty cats yeah not a good idea i learned that the hard way last year but i did order um about a month ago they restocked their little poison apple ones oh so i ordered those and they're so pretty they're gonna look really nice on your black christmas tree oh they totally are with all the other spooky ornaments and they um also when you order from the horror horror corner good dear god i shouldn't (laughs) have had extra coffee um they send you everything first off because they're not shatterproof their packages are packed super well um and even though i did have usps break a couple of mine last year they immediately replaced them they didn't even ask any questions or oh my god i'm so sorry oh really? we're gonna send you yeah and they sent me a f- they i had two that broke they sent me a full set replacement for free oh that's why you got some of my extras oh nice mm-hmm. so they were they're awesome and they pack everything really well but on top of that they send you all sorts of like cute little goodies inside Aww. um so they gave me some stickers and candy and like little halloween erasers i cannot say enough good things about the horror corner they are a friend of the podcast we love them dearly yes. please support them during this spooky holiday yes, season please they have amazing things mm-hmm. go buy it mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, then, of course, we have House of Hex. I love them, too. Yes, mugs and cups and plates. They also have ornaments. That's a big thing this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like every one of our favorite, like, you know, spooky vendor, they're probably going to have tons of ornaments because that's going to be a very, very big seller since we can't really have, you know, the usual um, spooky holiday festivities Mm -hmm. or events that we would normally be going to yes um so i know that's i've just seen them everywhere (laughs) yes all these special hand-painted ornaments Mm -hmm. and they're and they're also different across each vendor which i really really love yeah me too Mm -hmm. they all kind of have like their own thing Mm -hmm. or or well i can't i don't want to say thing they all have their own kind of style thank you (laughs) it's like a better word for that thank you (laughs) I'm, I'm like run I've talked so much 
during the week that I've run out of words. <laughs> Can't brain, sorry. But also, check out House of Hex. They have some really cute stuff. And mostly, uh, just to put out there too, mostly everybody we're talking about, they are on Instagram. I forgot to say that. Oh, that's okay. That Thank I'm, you for saying it I'm for saying me. it now. <laughs> and they, they're all on Etsy. Yeah, and that too. So Etsy mm-hmm. and Instagram going to be real big with mm-hmm. the, the holiday shopping. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and then next up, we have Little House of Horrors. And it is spelled H-A-U-S. Little House of Horrors. House. House. Um, <laughs> I actually just ordered a couple things from them. So I ordered a really cute pillow. It's a little decorative throw pillow that it looks like a Ouija board. So it's black and tan in the shape of a Ouija board and it says deck the halls with melancholy. It's fucking cute. It's on my couch in the front. Yeah, I was going to say that needs to go. It's just going to stay up all year round. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because you know how I'm the same with you like with the holidays. It's, It's rough, but I'm trying to get in um the holiday spirit and you know if we didn't have to deal with our families we'd probably look the holidays <laughs> no comment <laughs> everybody but, gets so crazy I'm like calm down it's just christmas <laughs> it's just christmas guys it's just Christmas just today. It's just, it's hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've got pillows that, and I just also, I ordered um, a spooky stocking that is in the shape of, well, it's, it's in a normal stocking shape, duh, but it is the Joanna Parker design. So it's all like Ooh. the old kind of classic Halloween style. It's real cute. I love it. Yes. And they also have ornaments too. So please check them out. Uh, Little House of Horrors. House is spelled H-A-U-S. They are on Etsy and Instagram. Yes. And then lastly, we want to talk about a spooks show, Babe Designs. I love her. Me too. You have um, a necklace. Yeah. The the pumpkin ice cream cone necklaces that I I bought. I love it. Yeah. And I was going to say, she also has that like... Um, cute little um, pins and stickers with the little spooky ice cream cones. Yes. Like and the Sam one is really cute. It is. And her art is great too. Yes. She has amazing art. And some of her drawings are also created into like necklaces or pins, mm-hmm. earrings and such. Um, I actually put an order uh, for her, the Valentine's Day one where oh, it's nice. Jason. Perfect. Just because. Perfect. Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but she also has some ornaments. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I know she's uh, she's on Etsy, but I believe she has an Instagram as well. She does. Okay, I just want to make her, sure. Her Instagram is um, Spook Show Babe Designs, but it's uh, Spook is S-P-0-0-K show. Oh, okay. So if you just look up like actual spook show, it won't show up, but it's um, SP00K show. Yeah. So check them out. Yeah. Get some spooky holiday stuff. Support artisans. Yes. Not Amazon. Yes. Support your local small businesses. Yes. They they need you. Yes. The especially most. during the Rona. Yes. Especially during the Rona. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway. <laughs> so today is our, like we said before, our Boo Club. Club. <laughs> and in, if you were following along with us, you'll know that we read the book Rebecca. Yes. And 
our next book is going to be the greatest ghost story of all time, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I haven't read this book in I don't know how long. Oh, God. 10th grade. 10th grade. I read it. <laughs> that was I think it was ninth a, grade. A for very me. long time ago. Yeah, I'm not going to say how long ago that was for me. That was a very long time ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and we'll mention this again at the end of the podcast. Yes. But in case you don't make it to the end, we'll put that out. Please read along with us because it truly is the greatest ghost story of all time. It is. And just in time for us getting in the holidays here for Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, or Festivus, if that's more your speed. Yeah, I like that one. The airing of grievances. What's the festival for Krampus? Krampus knocked? I think, yeah. I don't know. I think that's what it is. Sounds plausible. We could celebrate that, too. I just made that up, so I don't know. Oh, well, I like it. It anyway. sounds very German. <laughs> yes, it was very close. I hope that's what it was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we read Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, right? Yes, you are correct. Okay, I always feel like I'm saying her last name wrong. (laughs) It's French. Yes, but you know, she was also known as Lady Browning. I feel like I did know that. Yeah. And um, this novel was an instant bestseller and has never gone out of print. Mm -mm. Uh, In addition to her seven novels and numerous short stories, du Maurier also wrote 12 books of nonfiction, including an autobiography, which I kind of want to read, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a while. (laughs) I I will probably pass. Okay. (laughs) But um, also, on top of everything else, she was also an avid historian. Uh, Apparently, it's a great combination for writing um, a fast-paced psychological thriller. So there it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But you know, what was crazy uh, about her is that in her day, um, she was uh, most often considered kind of a hack writer. Yep. Sounds about right. (laughs) Which is, which is like kind of interesting because you read, you know, Rebecca and you're kind of like, oh. uh." Well, and did you know that this book still sells about 4,000 copies a month? Yeah. A month. It's, it's crazy. Eighty years old. <laughs> it's it's really really crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Rebecca has been adapted for the stage and both the big and small screen, um, which I'll definitely get into later because we're going to talk about the um, Netflix um, film that came out uh, earlier this month. It came out this like earlier November or October. October. Oh, okay. I don't remember. I watched it. It in was November. recent. Yeah. <laughs> it was recent. But also, Alfred Hitchcock is a huge fan of uh, of Daphne du Maurier. And he actually has done, um, adapted a lot of her books into uh, movies. But I'll get into that later, too. Anyway. Uh, but when uh, Alfred Hitchcock created uh, his film in 1940, um, it was uh it was it won Oscars for Best Picture, Best Cinematographer, um, and also it it did gather a um nomination for Best Director, but he did not win. Anyway. <laughs> um and I will say I did like the Netflix movie. It was pretty good, but of course, you know, always my thing, I liked the book better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a little bit uh 
more action packed. The Hitchcock me. movie was amazing. Well, see, and I haven't seen the Alfred Hitchcock films, so when you after this, I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> when you do see it, and not to spoil the movie, but you'll probably have the same opinion that I do, which is they didn't need to remake it. That's probably going to be right. Be only and and again, I'm going to be a little biased because Alfred Hitchcock is one of my favorite directors same. of all time. Same. And I'm surprised I haven't seen Rebecca because I've seen everything else. It's really good. And it has so. Joan Fontaine. <gasps> awesome. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, just getting into a little bit of a background of um, uh, Daphne du Maurier. Uh, so... Although she is classed as a romantic novelist, her stories have been described as moody and resonant with overtones of the paranormal. Yes. Yep, I agree. <laughs> her best-selling works were were not uh, at first taken seriously by critics, but have since earned an enduring reputation for narr- for narrative craft. Uh, many uh, have been successful ad- adapted into films and novels. Um, the novels Rebecca, as I mentioned before, My Cousin Rachel and Jamaica Inn, and also her short stories, The Birds and Don't Look Now, Not After Midnight, have also been turned into movies. And... Um, so, and then Dumari spent most of her life in Cornwall. Uh, most of her works were pretty much set there. Um, but as her fame increased, she kind of hid away and kind of became a little bit more reclusive. Because that's what I would do. If that's me now. I- <laughs> Have you seen that meme of Enya? And it says, you know, what I want to be when I grow up. And then it says Enya lives in her, or is a millionaire who lives in her castle with her cats. Yeah, you oh sent God. that to me. <laughs> it's me, except I'm not a millionaire and I don't have a castle. I know, Just and I was like, if I, if I was a millionaire, lived in a castle, and had a bunch of cats living there with me, yeah. If I was a rich girl, I'd live in a big old castle with too many cats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this episode is great. Sorry. Remember when I said I wanted to keep them to an hour? Yep. Nope, we're not listening for that. Uh, sorry. Well, getting into a little something more spicy. So This um, is the good part. This is the good part. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she, uh, there has been an alleged... Uh, God, I can't talk. Alleged uh, secret sexual relationship. Relationships. Multiple. Multiple. Yes, multiple, excuse me. <laughs> so after her death in 1989, writers began spreading stories about her alleged relationships with various people, uh, including actress Gertrude Lawrence, mm-hmm. as well as her supposed attraction to Ellen Doubleday, mm-hmm. the wife of her U.S. publisher, Nelson Doubleday. Yep. Yeah, Demaria stated in her memoirs that her father had wanted a son. And being a tomboy, she wished to have been a boy, but yeah. born a boy. Born in the wrong body. Yeah. It happens. Back, you know, and back then it wasn't, you know, quite as accepted as it is now. <laughs> Which is hard to believe because it's yeah. like still super unaccepted today. <laughs> but then it was just like unheard of. 
Um, inside the uh, Daphne du Maurier Companion, which was edited by Helen Taylor, includes Taylor's claims that du Maurier confessed to her in 1965 that she had had an incestuous relationship with her father and that he had been a violent alcoholic. Yikes. <laughs> and then um, in correspondence... Uh, that her family released to uh, biographer Margaret, For- sorry, Forster. <laughs> um, Dumare explained to a trusted few people her own unique, like, you know, slant on her sexuality. Um, her per- her personality comprised of two distinct people, the loving wife and mother, the side she showed, you know, to the world, and then the lover, the decidedly male energy that was hidden pretty much virtually from everyone and the you know and it was the power behind her artistic creativity um according to forster's biography du Maurier believed the male energy perv- uh, propelled her writing uh forster wrote that du Maurier's denial of her bisexuality uh unveiled a homophobic fear of her true nature that's so sad Aww. oh be yourself yes <laughs> If you're listening to this and you're you're having struggles identity, please be yourself. And we'll adopt you if your parents won't. Yes, totally in for that. 100%. <laughs> so just a little background into some spicy stuff, but mm-hmm. yes. And then it gets extra spicy oh, yeah. on the novel. <laughs> so I think that, and when we go into a little more of the plot of this story, for those that haven't read it, you're going to say, oh yeah, that's been written a million times because it has. So shortly after Rebecca was published in Brazil, a critic by the name of Alvaro Lins pointed out of many resemblances between the book and the work of Brazilian writer Carolina Nabucco. So Nabucco's Asex, it's called The Successor. This is great. That's the, the English translation. I'm sorry. I'm I I don't want I'm gonna butcher it. I apologize. So it's called Successor. Um, which was written in 1934, has a main plot that's very similar to Rebecca. So it tells the story of a young woman who marries a widower and the strange presence of their of his first wife, um, which also is very similar to the plot of Jane Eyre, which is way older. Oh yeah, there you go. So uh, Nina Abarak alleged in her book uh, that Daphne, uh, Daphne du haunted heiress that du read the English version of the Brazilian book when the first drafts were sent to the same publisher as hers in order to be published in England and based the story on her bestseller. Oh, that is the uh, allegation. So according to Nabucco's autobiography, it called eight decades. She refused to sign an agreement brought to her by a United Artists representative in which she agreed that the similarities between her book and the movie were mere coincidence. Uh, so Dumori denied copying Nabucco's book, as did her publisher, and claimed that the plot used in Rebecca was just quite common. And it was very common, but who knows? Maybe she did plagiarize it. Um, hmm. A further ironic complication in Nabucco's allegations is a similarity between her novel and the novel N. Caranacao, written yep. by Jose de Alencar, uh, Brazil's most celebrated novelist in the 19th century and published posthumously in 1873. 
1994, here in the U.S., Du Maurier, her U.S. publishers, Doubleday, and various parties connected with the 1940 film version of the novel were sued for plagiarism by Edwina L. MacDonald, who alleged that Du Maurier had copied her novel Blind Windows. And Du Maurier also successfully rebutted those allegations. Well... Lots and lots and lots of plagiarism. Wow, drama. Lots. Man, we mm-hmm. missed that reality show. Right. <laughs> well, let's get into our characters. So we have the narrator, or also known as the second Mrs. De Winter. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Yeah. I mean. I mean, I am a second wife. Jared was married before me. Oh. I don't know that I personally like being called the second, second Mrs. Mrs. Morgan. Winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but also please don't call me Mrs. Morgan. That's my mother-in-law, not me. Okay. <laughs> I won't say that. No, don't call me Mrs. Morgan. But also you have two Sarah Morgans in your family now. I do. My sister-in-law <laughs> who married Jared's brother also happens to be named Sarah. Yeah, that's her, great. Her maiden name was Harshberger, but now she's also a Sarah Morgan. So there's two Sarah Morgans in the same family. That's great. <laughs> Makes things so easy. Yes. Yeah, I didn't like they were calling her the second Mrs. De Winter, Mm-mm. but I also kind of like the name, the last name De Winter. Yeah, oh, it's pretty cool. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, so yeah, she's very uh, timid, naive, middle class woman in her early 20s who enjoys sketching. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so uh, neither the narrator's first nor maiden name is revealed, and she is referred to as my wife, Mrs. De Winter, my dear, and so on. So no actual name. I was kind of annoyed by that, actually. It, it, it's, I wanted it's a annoying, name, but... I started giving her names. Right. It's It's <laughs> annoying, but it also is... It's interesting in uh, Daphne Du Maurier's story how it's just like a further jab at this poor girl Mm -hmm. who already feels like she's living in the shadow of wife number one and that she's never going to live up to that so it's just like this further twist in the knife of yeah you're so unimportant and inconsequential that you don't even get a fucking name just just push me off a cliff (laughs) right be done (laughs) and then we uh, have mrs danvers i say it like that because yeah i know Hated her. I was like, I have a feeling Sarah and I both uh, share the same hatred uh, for this person. Yep. (laughs) But uh, she is the cold, overbearing housekeeper of Manderley. You know who she reminded me of? Mm. From the last book we read. That the the same oh 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 overbearing housekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Or I will. I can't really say she was a housekeeper, but house. She was manager. (laughs) Something I don't know. Anyway. But that's who she reminded me of all the way. <laughs> anyway, and then uh, Danvers was Rebecca's family maid when she was a child and has lived with her for years. She is unhealthy, un- unhealthily obsessed with Rebecca and preserving Rebecca's memory. Um, she resents the new Mrs. De Winter, convinced she is trying to take Rebecca's place. Not at all, lady. Uh-uh. But anyway, <laughs> um, then we have Rebecca De Winter, the unseen deceased title character who has been dead for less than a year, a famous beauty and on the surface, a devoted wife and perfect hostess. Rebecca was actually unfaithful to her husband, Maxim, 
Dun, dun, Spoiler dun. alert. Then we have Robert, a footman. I, I don't ever want that job. I don't, I don't know why. It just sounds terrible. A footman. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Mrs. Van Hoppe. <laughs> the narrator's employer at the beginning of the novel, an obnoxious, overbearing American woman who <laughs> relentlessly pursues wealthy and famous guests at the various hotels she stays at in order to latch on to their fame and boost her own status through um, association. Freaking hate people like so that. So annoying. <laughs> I was like, can we be done with her? I'm right? done with her. <laughs> I was glad that she's only in like the first few chapters. <laughs> yes. And we have uh, Clarice, who is uh, Mrs. De Winter's faithful and trusted maid. She aided her lady and mistress in uh, fitting her white frilly gown for her fancy dress ball. I want to go to a ball. I just want to say that. Anyway. Uh, then we have Jack Flavel. Did, did I say that right? Favel. Favel. See, I, I knew I was saying it wrong the whole time I was reading this book. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> and uh, he is the... Uh, the crafty and sneaky first cousin of the late Re- Rebecca de Winter and her most frequent boyfriend slash lover. Ew. Gross. All I can say is ew. <laughs> he and Rebecca had grown up together as children causing mayhem and he shares many of her worst traits, uh, suggesting insanity runs in their family. Yep. Then we have the, the Colonel, uh, I, I'm going to say this one wrong to Julian, right? No, you're right. Oh, I got it right. Yeah, yes. Did. You're good. Okay, I did read that right the whole time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the investigator of the inquest into the true cause of Rebecca's untimely demise. And then we have Dr. Baker, a doctor who specializes in oncology. Uh, a few hours prior to her death, Rebecca went to see him in secret when he diagnosed her with an unspecified type of cancer. Wah, wah, wah. doesn't matter all cancer sucks it does but yes anywho <laughs> so we'll give you a real brief rundown of the plot before we head into our discussion questions so when the story first starts out the first couple of chapters are actually told in the present by our unnamed narrator um, and she's discussing their beloved home Manderley <laughs> which has been burned down um, and it's the way that Daphne du Maurier writes is with incredibly flowery language. Yes. So it's down to like the number of freaking petals on a flower. <laughs> like, okay. I thought I was the only one that noticed that. No, I'm All like, right, cool. I'm like, how long are we going to describe these, these rhododendrons? Like, I, I, <laughs> there was at like a time I know I was like reading and holding the book but I'm also like I'm reading it and then I'm looking at like my Apple watch and I'm like uh like am I still on this paragraph <laughs> like we're still talking about this goddamn plant like how many times did I read this right <laughs> so we're talking about Mandalay that's burned down and the first couple of chapters are our narrator flashing back to or looking at what's currently happening and then we flash back to when she first met her husband in Monte Carlo so i mean doesn't everybody meet a husband when they go to monte carlo i mean i feel like kidding i should go there i feel like this we need a (laughs) research trip can we write that off on our taxes yes we should anyway so (laughs) our young narrator meets a wealthy 42 year old man while working as a quote-unquote companion on holiday so it's when she's working for her employer who i absolutely hated yeah i was real glad she was only in the first few chapters <laughs> um and 
Uh, she then comes down with the flu and our narrator then starts spending her days with this dashing tall drink of water, mm-hmm. Max DeWinter, her 42-year-old widower. Um, and he had she learns that he had actually just been widowed a year prior. And over the course of the next two weeks, she sneaks out. They go on drives. They lunch together. They dine together. They have a great time. But then she learns that they're actually going to be leaving Monte Carlo and sailing for New York. So our narrator's understandably heartbroken. She goes to Max and tells him, you know, I'm sorry, I have to say goodbye. I'm leaving today, like in two hours. My boss actually wants an earlier boat out of here or an earlier train out of here. So I got to go now. And so as you do, when you've only known somebody for two weeks, (laughs) you get married. (laughs) I think if I said something like that, you would like hold you me down can't you would marry someone you, you would, just met you would slap me and be like girl i'm gonna need you to take it down a notch right you see like <laughs> i know that every woman's favorite type is red flags but i'm just saying like this girl you know it's true <laughs> this is like when someone offers no comment from me someone offers to marry you after two weeks that's your biggest red flag run in the other direction (laughs) like this is a bad idea oh man this is such a bad idea this is why i don't watch the show 90 day fiance oh i can't i can't handle it nope nope i mean i don't i I hope they get paid well if you've known someone for a while okay so i understand i know we have a probably have at least one listener out there that's going no i met my husband and we got married three days later like okay good for you that might have worked for you that's good for you but that's not reality look half of all marriages <laughs> that no, have in which relate people have known each other longer than two weeks end in divorce so i'm pretty sure that when it's two weeks that number grows exponentially yeah so that being said you can't marry someone you just met thank you elsa right <laughs> no 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 uh well she said it too but yeah. so did uh christoph oh. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Truth. But not wrong. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, as you do when you've known someone two weeks, you get married. So, they honeymoon in Italy, which, again, there's a reason it's called the honeymoon phase because everybody's on their best behavior and everything's wonderful and fun and you don't have to adult at all. So, they honeymoon in Italy for several weeks and then they return to Max's estate of Mandalay. So, they have this dark cloud that's hanging over their marriage and it's in the form of Maxim's first wife, Rebecca. So, she drowned in a cove near Mandalay the year prior and her ghost haunts their home well not literally ghost but But, there are remnants of her everywhere it's on handkerchiefs it's on papers it's letters it's on it's inscribed on her freaking hairbrush i mean it's it's everywhere her presence is everywhere they have preserved her room with her clothing um her hair is still in the hairbrush (laughs) i I thought that was real gross it was real nasty um hair is dirty so Mm -hmm. just saying um so there are little remnants of her everywhere and most notably in her devoted housekeeper mrs danvers that bitch mrs danvers (laughs) um so she's still in charge of manderley and she completely intimidates the new mrs de winter 
So despite encouragement from the house overseer, who's named Frank Crawley and Maxim's sister Beatrice, who I didn't really like Beatrice that nope. much. She was like, she reminded me of somebody who could have been a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Just like yeah, super probably. <laughs> harsh and broad shouldered. And I'm like, this lady, I, I'm sh- assuming that she's trying to be nice and such, but she just, she has such a harsh demeanor about her. And even the words that she uses are just like, oh, you're not at all what I expected. You are yeah. not to the description that Max gave of you. Like, nope. Not even close. No, like <laughs> super fucking rude. So I didn't particularly care for Beatrice. Um, our poor little heroine really struggles with her new life there at Mandalay. Mandalay, not Mandalay Bay. Although <laughs> Mandalay Bay has a really amazing pool in Las Vegas. Yes, they do. But anyway, Mandalay. So she feels that she can never compare to Rebecca, who, um, as Robert actually had said at one point, she was the most beautiful creature he had ever seen. Like when uh, our narrator asks if she was pretty, he says she was the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. Aww. Like that's that's rough. That's that's rough for anybody to live up to. Yeah. So our Rebecca was seemingly beautiful. She was talented and brilliant. She was a mistress of everything around the house she was very particular she approved menus for lunch and dinner every day she hosted the best parties i mean she's just the the bee's knees according to everybody um so then our poor narrator starts to feel that max is still in love with his dead wife so we little things happen and you know this is (laughs) where and i remember reading this the for the first time i think i was this was summer required summer reading for one of my english classes in high school and i remember this was my introduction to the term gaslighting (laughs) 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 because because all of these people are treating her like shit and then she starts acting out and talking about it and then max and mrs danvers are like oh no that's on you that's uh, that's not that's your problem that's mm-hmm. not our problem we're just telling you like oh that's gaslighting <laughs> yeah big time so, this was how i learned about that um <laughs> and there are all of these these things that particularly mrs danvers is ridiculously hard on her and insists on having different rooms set up a specific way and oh no the library fire is only lit in the afternoon you're supposed to go in here and write letters in the mornings and we'll light that fireplace for you because that's what mrs de winter used to do i'm like can you just stop telling me what to do right and like 100 (laughs) percent comparing her to rebecca so of course she's never gonna live up to that she's a completely different person she's probably 20 years younger than rebecca was yep i mean you know it's that's what's gonna happen so we we start seeing all of these little passive aggressive acts and tons of gaslighting on this poor child and then she starts to hear about this masquerade ball that happens each year so one of the guests uh and his wife on a trip out to Manderley say oh yeah the two years ago we had this amazing masquerade ball and it was wonderful so our narrator decides to host it again 
and swept up in all of our all of the preparations she starts to come into her own we start to see her mature um and her spirits start to lift again but this is my favorite part oh my gosh (laughs) so this is like beyond fucked up um so the ball ends in disaster uh mrs danvers suggests that our narrator wears a particular costume that unbeknownst to our narrator is the same dress that rebecca wore at the last ball (laughs) so messed up fucked up central (laughs) so upon seeing our poor narrator max is absolutely mortified um and our little narrator is convinced that he will never love her and that he's only devoted to rebecca so the next day mrs danvers is just completely treating her like crap brushing her hair and telling her you know she's never going to be as good as rebecca and our little narrator decides to take her own life um but she is able to break away from mrs danvers when some different rockets go off over the cove signaling that a ship ran aground so when the divers go swim near the grounded ship they find the wreckage of rebecca's sailboat with rebecca's dead body in the hold yep it's been in there for a year that's that's crazy a year man how did they not know (laughs) i don't know dude but a year well and what was even more screwed up is that max had said that her body washed up two weeks two months later two months later so he totally lied to her totally lied to our little narrator oh boy so once this is discovered uh max then decides it's a good idea to tell our poor little narrator the truth which is that rebecca was a malevolent and wicked woman who lived a secret double life who carried on multiple affairs including one with jack (laughs) our peanut actually threw up yeah i was on the carpet she must have known we were getting to that part about an incestuous relationship because i I heard her do it and i was like oh oh there's throw up on that carpet it's like humans are gross (laughs) (laughs) it's all right peanut we'll get that later oh (laughs) nasty so anyway um the night of her death Max finally had had enough and he demanded a divorce. She refused and told him that she was pregnant with uh, Jack Favell's child. (laughs) (laughs) I hope the the microphone caught that. Yeah, that was the second one was me, but the first one was peanut throwing up in her mouth some more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, So max completely furious seized his gun and shot her and then sailed the boat out into the harbor and sank it with her body stowed inside good job max as you do because that's what you do (laughs) yeah you know oh peanut don't eat that oh no no dog Uh, anyway now you want to kiss (laughs) gross (laughs) oh boy this revelation destroys our little heroine um but in it it enabled her to finally shake off the burden of rebecca's ghost so meanwhile maxim's in hot water um first it's found that holes have been drilled in the bottom of rebecca's boat 
But luckily, the coroner delivers a report of suicide rather than murder. Oh. Um, but soon, Rebecca's cousin, Mr. Favell, uh, certain that Rebecca did not take her own life, accuses Maxim of the crime. So the local magistrate, who's Colonel Julian, investigates and finds that on the day of her death, Rebecca went up to London to see Dr. Baker. So Favell, Maxim, and our narrator then accompany Dr. Julian to London. And our narrator is just sure that Baker's going to reveal that Rebecca was pregnant, um, thus revealing Max's motive for murder. But instead, it turns out that Rebecca was dying of cancer. And that furthermore, she was infertile. She lied to Max about her pregnancy and her terminal illness now supplied a motive for her alleged suicide. And Maxim is spared. Mm -hmm. So he and our narrator drive all night back to Mandalay. They stopped only once um, when Max calls home and learns that Mrs. Danvers has disappeared and as they crest the ridge near the mansion they look down and find it in flames because mrs danvers would rather have burned the motherfucking place to the ground than allow another woman to take the spot of her beloved rebecca and that is the story of rebecca why ruin that beautiful home bitches be crazy i was mad about that yeah i was like i want that house i mean i know in the movie obviously it's probably a way different house mm-hmm. than what they imagined in the book but i still like that house it was beautiful mm-hmm. so from the book perspective uh what scene stuck with you the most <sighs> it, <laughs> i mean and I, I said it was like my favorite part but like it was the part where like i was really eating my popcorn mm-hmm. the part where <laughs> mrs Danvers put her mm-hmm. in that that ball gown oh god so i was terrible. like girl (laughs) i'm like did you really just do that so terrible like rebecca you're you're saying that rebecca was like god to you Mm -hmm. pretty much and you're gonna put this new person who you dislike in this dress Mm -hmm. (laughs) why why (laughs) like if it were me and i didn't like this new miss mrs de winter i would have put her in the ugliest ball gown i would find right make her look fat (laughs) i would like put her in like brown (laughs) brown is no one's friend (laughs) like brown with like black i don't know something brown with more brown with more brown like yeah. three different shades like, of brown oh girl plaid. you need to put on these brown shoes <laughs> with that brown dress but like but not like a cool brown like a like a shit brown Ooh, not a white refrigerator get your shoes <laughs> we gotta get you a home <laughs> where's nini where is nini leaks <laughs> yeah like that part i was like Whoa yep the audacity the audacity (laughs) that part like really stuck out with me and then i just i felt really bad because you know she was okay and also i just want to point out i gave her a name because i was just tired of her not having a name what'd you call her Catherine. that's a really long name why is it really long for someone with no name that's a lot of syllables well i just thought it had a ring to it (laughs) Catherine de winter Oh, well, when you say the whole thing. Yeah, see? But you were going to say the whole thing the whole time? Yeah, well, sometimes. Not all the time. Oh, I was like, that's but a I was lot just of like, syllables. I, I just want her to have a name. <laughs> <laughs> this poor little nameless girl. I know. <laughs> like, I'm going to give you a name. 
I'm gonna call you Catherine. Um, anyway, <laughs> what did you think of the writing? And were there any standout passages for you? I mean, I just thought, okay, I I like her writing. Um, I just felt at times she was very very long winded. I gotta be in the mood for it. Yeah, and I think like I was excited to read the book. Don't get me wrong. But like first going into it, I was like, okay, this this is gonna be long. Like it's I mean, only, it's a long book, but I, you know, I was saying, look, it's well, it's only four hundred and forty some odd pages. Yeah, according to my Kindle. Well, we've read longer. Yeah, huh? We sure have. <laughs> but I mean, I was just saying, like sometimes I just felt like it kind of carried on a little too much it did like we spent you know six pages talking about these rhododendrons that were growing on the side of manderley i'm like why on multiple occasions i mean like like, i get it because she wants you to have like the full visual what the the home Mm -hmm. and the grounds look like but that's i think that's where the problem i had with the book is i just I didn't really care that much about the house. I gotta, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, for any any author that has, uses very flowery language in their writing, I definitely have to be in the right mood mm-hmm. and mindset to read it. Yeah. And I read a lot at night when I go to bed. Yeah. And if I am particularly tired from work or if I've worked a really long day, mm-hmm. it becomes much more difficult for me to read and Agreed. stay engaged. Yep. Um, but I did really like, and I bookmarked it on my Kindle and I should have brought it in here. And I, I, I was gonna say I mark, I will, I didn't mark cause it's your book, but I, I, can mark it, I, don't I, I put sticky notes. Yeah. I, I should have brought it in here. My favorite, my favorite passage is, and it's early on in the book. It's when they're in Monte Carlo and our narrator says to Max, you know, I wish that you could bottle up a memory like a scent. And you could just unstopper it and relive it again at any time, like you would a scent from a perfume. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have brought my thing because it's the way that it's written is just so beautiful and so poetic. I went, oh, yeah, I love that. It's I, very romantic. I would say, like, uh, yes, very flowerly language, but like a lot of I would say what she wrote is like super poetic, and I I mm-hmm. did enjoy that part of it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. But like, is I will say too in the beginning when you're talking about kind of like when trying to get in, you know, that type of of writing. I will say with these this whole month <laughs> with us having rough uh, work weeks, mm-hmm. it 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 was a little bit harder for me to get through the book. No, it's you. It's usually it's not normal for me. No, it's, but I think it's just tough. work. It just made it a little bit more rough for me. Yeah. Um, at, at times, like, yeah, I did fall asleep, but it wasn't because the book was boring. Mm-hmm. I was just tired. Well, and it was really hard to get into the book for me. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I, I was engaged right off the bat. Yeah. It took, it was probably like the second or third chapter when they were in Monte Carlo that I, which is like, I think the fifth or sixth chapter in the book. Oh, right. When I actually started getting into it again. Um, I, you know, I did really like reading this again as an adult because reading it as a, you know, 15, 16 year old girl, again, I say every, every young woman's type is red flags because we don't know any better yet. Um, but look, and, and you know, when I read it when I was younger, I remember feeling like, oh, this is so romantic and blah, blah. Now I look at it, I'm like, 
No. No. This is not romantic. This is just weird. <laughs> yeah. You can't marry someone you just met. <laughs> and also, what is it with these, like, gothic novels we're reading? And we're, there's, like, there's incest. So much incest. <laughs> what is happening? I don't know. <laughs> Please don't tell me. I don't remember. But there's no incest in uh, The Christmas Carol, right? <laughs> No. Okay, good. Wait, why you said that with a question mark? No, not that I remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, not like, not that I remember. Um Yeah. I okay. think I think we're safe. Okay, good. We're taking a break from incest for a month. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was interesting to reread this as an adult and look at it through a different lens, especially being in your thirties, because mm-hmm. your twenties are fun, but your twenties also kind of suck. To a certain extent, because, you know, you're starting out in your career. If you live in California, for those of you that aren't from Southern California and that listen to us outside the area, it's real fucking expensive to live here. So especially as you're growing in your career and trying to save money to buy a house that you're not just giving money to a rental every month. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's hard. And, you know, your 20s are all about having fun and figuring out who you are when you hit your 30s. I feel like I actually know who I am now. I know what I want and what I don't want. And I know when to not put up with bullshit. So rereading this at certain points, it kind of made me angry for this poor little girl. Cause I'm like, honey, if you were 10 years older, you would not put up with this. <laughs> you would, you would tell Mrs. Danvers to fuck off. <laughs> you, you would tell that maid where she can go to. <laughs> yep. Like you would, you would tell Max to take a pamperin and calm down. <laughs> like you would not be putting up with any of this. Did you just say Max should take a pamperin? I did. <laughs> It's got aspirin in it. It helps with those cramps. So when you're when you're older and you're a little more secure with yourself and you know who you are, you're more inclined to stick up for yourself and say no. And you you know what you deserve and you know what what you're worth Mm -hmm. and you fight for that. Yeah. This poor, sweet little angel baby has no fucking clue. And it made me angry for her as an adult reading it. Yeah, well, I don't know if this is in our questions, but I I found myself to be the narrator all the way. No. All the way. No. <laughs> all the way. Not you. I'm like, did someone write a book about me before I was born? <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope that none of this in this book, like, happens to me, but... <laughs> but I am. You can I, marry a hot forty-two-year-old. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That part's okay, as long as it's Army Hammer. I don't know how old he is. He's but. single now. Yup. <laughs> Just saying. Army Hammer, if you're listening, hit a, <laughs> hit a girl up. <laughs> Anyways, though. <laughs> oh my but, God, he's my brother's age. He's so young. He's thirty-four. Army Hammer? Army Hammer's only thirty-four. Wait, I'm older than him. You are older. You robbing that cradle, girl. <laughs> it's okay he's, i didn't he's know 34, he was so young i didn't either i thought we were like the same age maybe I, I thought he was at least 40 yeah i think i was i think i was thinking that too but again still close damn anyway thrown off <sighs> thrown off yeah, big time guess um, i have a type anyway <laughs> <laughs> brie likes to rob the cradle no no um hey get it girl 
So would you want to reread or would you want to read a book, another book by Daphne du Maurier? You know, I'm actually very curious about my cousin Rachel mm-hmm. and also the birds. Yes. I think, and I, I, I'm probably leaning more toward the birds because it's a short story. Yes. <laughs> um, because that, now I will say, it was one of the first few uh, horror films that I saw. Uh, when I was first starting to get into it, and the birds terrified me. Oh, it still terrifies me. And I don't like birds. I don't either. Oh, good. Okay, I'm glad. They we're have the same talons. Page. Yeah, they're they're scary. They have beaks that can stab you and stuff. Yes. I'm Creepy. Scared. Anyway, so um, I definitely. I mean, I'm going to take a break, obviously, because we have another book to read. But I am curious about the birds. For I sure. am too. I've read Jamaica Inn. But I have not read anything else by Daphne du Maurier. And I would, same thing. I would like to read The Birds. My Cousin Rachel may be a little tough. I think you saw the movie too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, knowing the subject matter of that movie, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I don't know. This might be hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm not ready for that yet. Again, more incest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready. <laughs> for sure. We're taking a break. Um, did reading this book impact your mood? Well, yes. Uh, just as far as going back to the the main character the narrator mm-hmm. um <laughs> definitely a little uh, ptsd for me um but that's just like from personal experiences mm-hmm. um because you know i've i've been through situations like that maybe not specifically to what happened to oh her. sure i think every woman has yeah every woman has been in a relationship where we've been gaslighted by our significant other mm-hmm. um where we have been made to feel like we're living in the shadow of an ex and mm-hmm. we're never going to be good enough i think we've all had to deal with that yeah and but you know just in general like mainly for me is just that like <laughs> she was trying so hard mm-hmm. and like it was just like damn if you do damn if you don't you mean you're never gonna be good enough you mean you shouldn't try so hard to please people and be happy because and make them happy because you're just gonna lose yourself and you're never gonna make them happy what i don't know what you're talking about what (laughs) you mean you should just do you and live your life and fuck what everybody else thinks what i know crazy do it you do you again so a lot of more personal experience for mm-hmm. me and to to the point where i was just like thinking i'm like god i'm so happy that i've decided to kind of at this point in my life <laughs> change things and 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 kind of not be this person mm-hmm. in a way i mean i still am mm-hmm. in in some aspect but uh it just feels really good to grow from that you should always seek out to treat people with kindness you should never allow yourself to be someone's doormat yep not the same thing right listen to that everybody yep (laughs) please yes um you know it made me it made me really sad for her Mm -hmm. rating it again as i mentioned um it just so many red flags and and i wish that she would have and she started to kind of stick up for herself more in the end well like when she was planning the the party she started to mature she found her voice and i felt like that's why i was saying like i i really like kind of resonated with her on that too because i felt like it was when me like trying to you know break out everything and just like really 
kind of fight back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then putting on that dress, I was like, shit. <laughs> this poor sweet angel baby. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I did like that she kind of, you know, was really trying to push herself and break out of there. But yeah, it was just real sad. <laughs> who do you feel or who would you want most to read this book? Mm. You know, I feel like the the age where um you were saying you read it like 10th grade Mm -hmm. maybe even 11th or 12th but i feel like or even you know what even in college like i feel like this would be a really good like study of uh women's literature Mm -hmm. like i i took that class uh in college i did not this was not on that list and i feel like there's probably a lot of george Eliot in that class wasn't there mm -hmm. yep figured so boring anyway oh <laughs> poor george elliot i mean he was okay <laughs> george but i feel like woman. you know in, in a lot of the reading that we have to read for like high school um i mean i'm glad this one was on your list but i didn't really experience um a lot of female writers i found that on my own mm-hmm. um you know like my angelou like you know like i tori uh tori Toni Morrison like I I found those people on my own because I you know did my research but I feel like in in high school I feel like there needs to be more of a push of our early earlier um female um authors you know most of my required summer reading for English classes in high school I mean granted I took I think whatever two English classes in college I was required to take to graduate right (laughs) I'm like I'm a science major yeah (laughs) keep your words out of my science that that's that's Um, how I was (laughs) yeah it's like Please, please don't make me read more than I have to. But my um, required summer reading assignments were always a, a lot of them were female writers. Really, See, I a didn't lot of them. That. Thanks, Malibu High School. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, I felt like we I made had, my own reading list. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I actually had a really great because in college nobody cares but um my librarian in high school was phenomenal because there was always inevitably there are books that um parents don't want their kids to read and she they would continually petition each year to have them banned from the school library she refused to do that but she would keep them behind the counter so if there was a title that you asked for by name she would check it out to you Oh. regardless of if your parents wanted you to read it or not I'm like fuck yeah man fight yeah, the power that's, that's pretty cool yeah stop like censoring that. things right <laughs> um so we want to talk about the movie yes so yes yeah, so as i mentioned before um there is a newer version of this movie on netflix available now to watch um but also there is the alfred hitchcock uh, version watch that one which i will probably watch this week because i didn't get to that yet but <laughs> watch that one yes and um i liked it it was pretty good but ma- mostly i was just watching army hammer but anyway <laughs> i mean i don't blame you it was it was very hard <laughs> look away jared look I, away <laughs> I know. um so it stars uh lily james as mrs de winter the the new the second the, yeah the second mrs de winter <laughs> at least here they kind of gave her a name mm-hmm. somewhat 
<laughs> um, then we have Army Hammer as a Maxim de Winter. And then Kristen Scott Thomas as Mrs. Danvers. She did an excellent job as Mrs. Danvers. Oh, she was amazing. It was I great. Could not have casted it better. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> and then we have uh, Keely Hawes as Beatrice Lisi. Anne Dowd as Mrs. Van Hopper. She was also great. Also awesome. Because Couldn't stand her. Yeah, but she did it perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we have Sam Riley as Jack Favell. There we go. <laughs> Got it. I like him. Yeah. I've liked him since I saw him in Maleficent. Yep. Yes. Very, very good. Uh, Tom Goodman Hill as Frank Crawley. Mark Lewis Jones as Inspector Welch. Uh, John Hollingworth as Giles Lacey. Bill Patterson as Dr. Baker. Ben Crompton as Ben. Lane Lap. Okay, I'm gonna get it. Jane, not Lane, sorry. Jane La Potere as Granny. <laughs> That's what I call my Granny. Anyway, and then Ashley Reynolds as Robert. So, yeah. And then, so the uh, production began filming on uh, June 3rd, 2019. And um, uh, it they began filming at uh, Cranbourne Manor in Dorset and Heartland Quay uh, in Devon, <clears throat> and they were used uh, for filming in uh, in July of 2019. Um, so, in total, Rebecca was filmed at six different manors or estates. That is crazy. That's a lot of estates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, actually, right now, last time that I checked, uh, Rebecca, the Netflix version, has actually, I, I believe it said 46. 46 so, what? Uh, like, well, let me see. 46%. Oh. Excuse me. <laughs> I was like, they had 46 what? <laughs> 46 of nothing. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Um, what did you think of the movie? I felt like it didn't need to be remade. I felt like the Hitchcock version But also, I know you said great. I need to watch You need to the watch Hitchcock the Hitchcock film. version. You know, here was my biggest complaint. My okay. biggest complaint with the film is I didn't... I hated... I like Lily James. Mm-hmm. I hated her as the second Mrs. DeWinter. Because she's too old. She's... I mean, she's not old, but she's too old to play that part. Yeah. I didn't believe her to be this naive mousy homely i chomp on my nails all the time little girl that marries this 42 year old guy i just didn't believe it and because i didn't believe her in that role it made me enjoy the movie less i did really love some of the cast the other casting choices that they picked but again i just felt like it didn't it was unnecessary to remake this movie yeah so i yeah i really need to um see the the hitchcock uh version because and again i don't know why i haven't seen it yet (laughs) because i feel like i need a comparison now that like i mean now that we've read the book and then we watch this but you're saying i need to you know see that one first Mm -hmm. like now i feel like it's gonna screw me all up yeah it's (laughs) well i think you're gonna enjoy it quite a bit more particularly because it's got joan fontaine in it um it's really well done um now i did love how the new film was filmed yes i thought it was beautifully shot and beautifully edited 
Um, yes, the cinematography was great. The cinematography was great. The set design was spectacular. Um, a lot of the the other casting choices, as I mentioned, were great. But I just... And, and you know, Lily James' performance as well just felt very contrived to me. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel... I, I was not watching a young girl who has no idea what she's supposed to be doing. I was just watching a 30-something-year-old girl who is trying to pretend like she is a 20 something year old girl that doesn't know what she's doing. So it, you know, it just was a little lost on me and it made me enjoy it less, but how did you, um, how'd you feel about the, the ending a little bit, how they did it? I did not care for it. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I, really I was going to say, I liked the ending of the book better than, cause you know, old Hollywood, you know, they got to or not old Hollywood, but just Hollywood, they always, you know, have to in, in somewhat in, embellish things and, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> but I say it's still a good watch. I mean, we're, we're all stuck in quarantine, so we, you know, we need to get into something. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yep. Um, I was going to say, I totally went down the rabbit hole, but <laughs> I don't need to get too much further in it. But I definitely would suggest, um, you know, everybody, please read the book. Mm-hmm. It is definitely worth the read. And especially if you're looking for something new. <laughs> and also watch watch the movie. It's on Netflix. And watch the Alfred Hitchcock version. I'm not sure where it is available right now. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Amazon Prime, I'm sure, has it. Because lately I've been finding a lot of old movies on there. Yeah. And and included with Prime. So, but yeah. Absolutely. And if not, I'm sure you can rent it on yeah. any of the various outlets. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think. Hopefully yes. you read along. Um, if you didn't, well, we just ruined the whole book for you. <laughs> Sorry. It came out in 1938. You had a real long time to read it. <laughs> um <laughs> Tony Stark dies. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just love it. It never gets old. No. (laughs) And again, we are reading for our next book club, which will be recorded mid-December. We are reading a Christmas story or no, a Christmas carol, not a Christmas story. (laughs) It's just your eye out, kid. (laughs) Uh, No, a Christmas carol by Charles Dickens. A Muppets Christmas carol? I mean, I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge, (laughs) even though he's badly dressed. I I am excited to read this next book. Oh, me too. It's been a minute. It's been a really long minute. Um, So, yes, please uh, read along with us. We know it's long. We know it's Charles Dickens. So it's also very flowery language. And uh, it's going to take a while. So start now. Well, it's a good thing we read Rebecca and then we're going into this. We're prepped for it. Yes. <laughs> um, and also, just for me personally, I've noticed that I, so I tried to do Audible for Rebecca. Um, couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, I started that way. And then I, I remembered you had already had, you know, given me the book to read. And I was like, yeah, I, I got to. I gotta read it. No, you gotta read it because there's a lot of um, <laughs> because if you're I'm with some of those if if you're not focused, mm-hmm. it's you'll miss stuff. It's yeah. real hard to to read. Plus, I like having my Kindle because I can highlight things and yeah. go back later if I want to. I'm, I would like to go back to uh, my iPad and read that way. Just mm-hmm. not that I not you know I do enjoy turning pages. Yep. 
But like you, you know, like what you were saying, like highlighting and you can kind of go back to, you know, certain parts of the mm-hmm. book. I definitely want to do that more. I mean, Audible is great, but you really have to be focused. Audible is great if you're reading like Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I don't know. If I, I read that on paper, too. But I did um, I did Mexican Gothic on Audible. Oh, that's right. You did. And I actually enjoyed it. Nice. A lot. Good. But anyway. Yep. <laughs> Well, that concludes our episode for today. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate yes. it. Um, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Buy our merch. Yes. Visit our website, thesquagghouls.com. And also, we would love to hear from you. So email us at thesquagghouls at gmail.com. Yeah. And we also have on our website, we have a little contact form thing. Oh, yes. So if you fill that out, we'll probably respond. Yes. And please, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We like uh, hearing stories. If you've got fun um, experiences, we would like to hear those. We will gladly read them on air as well. Yes. Especially after we, you know, mention something on an episode. If you know, you have something to add to that, please let us know. Yeah, man. Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Goodbye.